I'm here with Adrienne Nolan-Smith, who's the founder of Wellbe, and she's also a board-certified patient advocate. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Nikki. Thank you. I've actually known about Wellbe for probably a couple years now. Um, maybe, I don't know when you launched, but someone reached out from your team and I thought what you were doing was so interesting and I hadn't, um, I just didn't make it out here because I had a baby and I, I wasn't traveling to New York for a little bit. So I'm so happy that we're here together finally. Me too. Yeah, I um, have known about the Fullest for a really long time as well. We launched uh, just over two years ago, so yeah. July 2017. And I actually ended up writing a piece um, for the awesome. Fullest. Um, maybe a year ago or something, so cool. it's been on my mind to get to meet you at some point, so it's definitely a pleasure. Nice to meet you. So I have to ask, what's a board-certified patient advocate? Yeah, no problem. Um, there's actually only a couple hundred of us in the country at this point, and it's a very new board certification. I think I was in the first class of people that actually sat for the board exam. Um, it felt like taking my SATs. I had to go to you know some weird place in Midtown with like a computer generated system for the for the testing. But and for education, like you had to do a program and then do the testing. Or well, it was very interesting. I there were study materials, but um, I had worked in the healthcare system with hospitals for three years before leading to found Wellbe, and so I decided to take this board exam mostly because I had all this knowledge mm -hmm. from working with hospital clients over those three years, um, a lot about, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, a lot of, um, you know, a program, a government program called Disrupt I sort of oversaw for my company. Um, and it was basically all trying to help our hospital clients to, um, you know, reduce hospital readmissions for different chronic diseases and also manage chronic disease patients, which is really ironic because now what I know is that, you know, if you just kind of throw prescriptions and follow appointments at people with chronic conditions, they kind of never actually heal those chronic conditions. Yeah. And maybe they can kind of stay uh, at that level, but likely they will continue to decline. And so it was really hard for me in those three years to not kind of feel like I was screaming and nobody could hear me. I um, wouldn't be able to handle it that. Was, it was pretty depressing, I have to say. I, there were a lot of you know Sundays where I was just like totally gloomy and gray about the ability, the seeing what the problems were and feeling like my hands were tied and really being able to impact the change that I knew was needed. Um, that being said, I was able to learn so much about the system and how it works now and why and how it's broken. I, I knew and I thought I had all the you know knowledge about what, how it was broken from the patient and caretaker perspective. And that, wait, let's take a step back. This is before your certification, right? This yeah. is you, your knowledge because that's why you went for the certification. Exactly. But this is also because there's, I believe there's a story about your mom, right? Yeah. So is that how you had this experience or? Like, right. So I can back all the way up, yeah. but it's a, kind of a long story. It spans about 20 years. Um, my introduction to all things health and wellness was really, uh, started with my chronic Lyme diagnosis when I was 11, mm. which kind of took my whole family into living a very different lifestyle because once the antibiotics didn't alleviate the symptoms, we were given no real other options and kind of sent down this path of like, good luck. And luckily my mom, you know, had no biases and just was really a ferocious researcher. And so she 
figured out all of these different integrative and natural therapies that um, could work to restore my immune system and fight and you know pull off Lyme and this that. So two years of lots of crazy stuff later, I was free of Lyme symptoms and have been wow. for you know since I was thirteen. So that was a you major need to, like, write a whole book on just that. <laughs> I know I'm trying very quickly because that's like yeah. one of the three things yeah. that is part of the story. I'm just yeah. glossing right over that. But that and then Fast forward to when I went away to college, um, I ended up having uh, amenorrhea just six months after getting there, which is a loss of menstruation, oh. um, which lasted for two years. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, considered myself a healthy kid from, you know, age 13 to 18 to really utilize natural health therapies and things like that, or integrative or functional medicine, except just kind of how we lived at home, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't really, we called it weed-free, you know, we didn't eat, we, was, nobody talked about gluten. Um, mm-hmm. We were eating, you know, we, we stayed away from dairy, we, things like that. But we took a lot of supplements and a lot of like, Chinese herbs and things. So you were, but it wasn't yeah. like you had to think about it all the time. It was just how you lived. Right. I wasn't going yeah. to doctors. Yeah. Like, the way that you are like actively doing that in healthcare episodes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where you're really trying to get to a diagnosis or you have one and you're trying to figure out how to heal, um, which is a whole different, very time consuming and frustrating experience. So. Then I was back in that when I was, you know, I gave it about a year thinking, oh, maybe it'll come back. And I started to finally see all these different, you know, of course, our natural bias in America is to first go to the conventional. So I went to the top doctors. I was at Johns Hopkins for college. So I was going to Hopkins doctors. I was going back to New York and, you know, getting into these really fancy OBGYNs and endocrinologists and stuff. And it was the same answer everywhere, which is basically birth control pill. Yeah, and we can't find anything wrong with you, and you know maybe you're stressed. And I was like, I'm having the time of my life in college. Mm-hmm. Like I am not stressed. Like yeah. Um, and so, you know, I finally knew enough based on my Lyme experience to say, okay, this is not an actual solution. You're not, you know, the birth control pill is not getting to the reason of why my body is not doing what it's fundamentally built to do as a woman, which is yeah. to get a monthly period. So thank you very much, but no thank you. Mm-hmm. And I. Um, ended up working with a naturopath and she, you know, gave me a program and looked at my blood work so differently. And about six months later of, you know, again, like a lot of different Chinese herbs and supplements and changing my diet very drastically. Um, and then also this kind of acupuncture program she did six months and a day later. And that's how long she said it would take. It came back and it's been, you know, normal for, uh, 14 years or whatever. Um, and uh, that was like my big like strike two of like, you know, because again, I never expected to work in health or wellness um, mm-hmm. as an actual career path. It was just something that I, you know, had gone through these things and it was now an interest of mine. And what were you studying? I was studying international relations at wow. Hopkins. And I was um, just telling somebody today, I thought I was going to be a journalist that went and covered the Beijing Olympics because I was, uh, I had lived in China like three different times throughout high school and college. And so I just thought this was like, that was, you know, I wanted to do something with my Chinese, so that's what I would do. Or I was gonna be a CIA agent because, you know, Chinese espionage seemed yeah. like a second, oh good gosh. second choice. Well, um, you can still do that, that's the nice thing. I started, I remember I started filling out the CIA like internship application online and was like, I could get killed. I yeah. think maybe I should yeah. not do this. Um, so, but the most impactful reason and the reason I've done everything that I've done now with Wellbe and patient advocacy and everything else, it was my mom's um, death. And before that, her three and a half years of um, being in the mental health care system 
um, she had had a manic episode when I was uh, the summer I gra after I graduated from college, and we actually had to put her in the back of a police car wow. and send her away with you know middle of the night situation. She had run away from us, uh, very you know thought we were trying to kill her, run through the subway system. We chased her to Queens. Like it was like out of a movie. What sparked that? It had been derailing for a couple of uh, years before that, but she and my dad had divorced, and so I was away at college, and she was staying with a sister in Florida, and so I wasn't seeing the how bad it had gotten, and then mm -hmm. we were all supposed to be together, and then it just was like, oh, no. you know, um, obvious that she was really like, paranoid. Yeah. So she had this big manic episode, um, and she was then... Uh, thrown into this, you know, city kind of feels like a jail, but it's a mental, you know, health facility. And I'd never experienced anything within this part of healthcare. Um, most people don't, and it is really terrifying. I mean, it is it is like prison. It feels like um, the opposite of a healing environment. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, because my parents are divorced, and and I'm the only girl in my family, and you know, my older brother. Whatever I was the one who was yeah. uh, sort of in charge of yeah. her care and had wanted to be involved with the doctors and stuff. And um, did it, you have a good relationship? I mean, it sounded like with your lines, like she really took control of like helping. So I'm curious. Just yeah. Well, I I mean, as soon as she was sick in this acute way, and everything that she had taught me about health and getting to the root cause and working with people who really want to listen and want to heal. And not just manage yeah. symptoms or, you know, get you get out quickly so yeah. you can see the next patient. Yeah. Um, I knew immediately, like, I owed it to her to give her a similar kind of care but and fight for her. But the system was so um, all-consuming of you. Once you were put on these antipsychotics and mood stabilizers and, you know, it's very hard to pry you out of that mm -hmm. system because... There's also a lot of legal stuff that comes up with yeah. guardianship and then like, you know, the, you're in charge of their finances and actions and um, it's a very weird system. And so you really feel like you can't take them off drugs like that because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. um, and also because they're, the state is involved, right? And um, that part is very intimidating I think especially as a 22 year old girl when I was going through it um, but also because we didn't really have we didn't nobody gave us other solutions like I kept bringing research that I had found digging around in PubMed and it's kind of how I ended up you know a big part of what I do at Wellbe is a lot of covering of health research mm -hmm. and I don't know if I would be quite as comfortable reading a lot of clinical trials and studies if I hadn't been through that experience, but I was bringing, you know, small studies of 15 people, 2003, that, you know, where they they injected fish oil with um, these schizophrenic patients, and they had this, you know, incredible recovery, and, and I would be like, can we try this? Like, yeah. who is this doctor? Like, let's find him. Like, we don't care. I mean, her quality of life was so terrible. Yeah. She was drooling. She was shaking. Oh she couldn't gosh. sleep. She couldn't, main, you know, uh, maintain a normal weight. Um, she was slurring all of her words. Because, um, I mean, you're a complete vegetable on these drugs. Each drug that she was on had, you know, 
20 side effects and then they're giving you a bunch sleep meds for the sleep problem it causes and they're giving oh you other gosh. drugs for the di you know constipation digestion issues they cause and it was just like a you know whack-a-mole like that's no. how I, you know, I thought of it um, and so I knew it was not the right thing but it was like we couldn't get out you know it was like a tidal wave of like yeah, you had to stay in because of all the liabilities and everything exactly, that was going on in right. the state she was in. And exactly. You wouldn't be able to take care of her by yourself, but then she was not really Right, and a couple of times, of because she felt so awful on the drugs, she would try to go off of them and actually have a relapse. So that made me even more scared to try to figure out something else. Um, but there was nobody even a little bit interested in trying to connect the dots of other health issues that she had. Because I knew, being you know with her for the 25 years that I was, that she had loads of gut trouble. She had a lot of emotional childhood mm -hmm. trauma from an alcoholic mother and a lot of other stuff. Um, she had um, you know had this trauma of the divorce too, mm -hmm. which kind of set triggered things. triggered a lot of this kind of mania. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, active like Epstein Barr and chronic fatigue and all these things. It was so obvious that the gut brain connection was so strong and nobody was trying to heal any of that. It was just like throw more drugs, throw more drugs. Um, and so it's so backwards. It was very backwards. But again, it felt like we couldn't get out of it. So 2000, December 2010, I was actually applying to business school because I was you know, working at IBM and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do and I knew I didn't want to stay there and um, so you know like a lot of 25 year olds I thought oh I'll just apply to business school and try to you know figure it out from there and I had about two weeks off till my applications were due and she took her life and so oh, I'm sorry it was thank you it was like a very pivotal moment where I was I threw out the essays I had written I didn't think I was going to apply at all um, and my friends were really great and just kind of like, no, come on, you're so close. You've got all the recommendations, you've got everything ready. You just have to like, you know, finish these essays and get them out the door. And I decided at that point that I was going to change my whole career trajectory and work on, you know, changing the healthcare system and empowering people to not have the experience that I did, both with, you know, chronic health issues like Lyme and amenorrhea yeah. and things like that and not having to go to 12 doctors that talk about birth control before they get one person who says let's use diet first yeah. which is like not only going to help nine other things in your body and life mm -hmm. but like much more sustainable solution yeah. and it seems obvious to me um, and so you know both with the, the more uh, you know, chronic health issues that don't seem like they're life-threatening, right? I mean, untreated for long enough, yeah. it could be per se, but um, as well as when people are in these really insane health crises, to have someone or to have resources or something to just say, like, hang on, we're gonna get a lot more opinions, we're gonna find this research, we're gonna get to the right people, mm -hmm. we're gonna only talk to people who are willing to look at my body or my family member's body and as a whole yeah. system that's completely connected and put the pieces together to figure out an actual healing path, not just like a symptom management path. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's after I went to business school, I, I worked in healthcare technology with hospitals as I was talking about. So that's kind of... That's where the frustration kind of had started though. Yes. Yeah, sure. where you would see things and you'd say things, but they wouldn't 
like yeah it all came from this more personal Mm -hmm. experience and um I did think there was like a sliver of hope that maybe I could um you know change it from the inside working in healthcare technology but you know no no (laughs) the system is so broken in so many different ways that one one improvement which they are starting to make some improvements um which I saw towards the end of when I was working with hospitals that um for instance, the change from value-based or, or from fee-for-service to value-based care with some Medicaid and Medicare initiatives, which is actually about two-thirds of all healthcare spending in the U.S. is actually our government. Mm-hmm. So when people say we don't have a socialized healthcare system, I'm sort of like, eh, we kind of do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the good part about that is that when they start to see something that they think could help the whole system, they have a lot of buying power, right? Mm-hmm. They're paying two-thirds of everyone's two-thirds of the cost so they started to put forth these proposals and and projects and initiatives all around trying to reward hospitals for value-based care meaning the health outcomes of the patients that came through rather than just how much they build okay which is the majority of healthcare still it's all fee-for-service but these were kind of like pilot programs that I was lucky enough to work on from the technology perspective Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like really gung-ho on them and they've had tremendous results um, the problem is that, from somebody I know still working in healthcare technology, um, the hospitals are not making enough money because they're working so well. Yeah. And so That's once the grants dry up or the initiatives might end or whatever it might be, they're worried. And they, they're not able to like that have they, more they need people to or um, you know they need to understand the, the money that they're gonna have to work with the whole following year and they yeah. have you know some of these publicly traded companies they have fiduciary duties to their investors and they have you know responsibilities to their board and the CEO doesn't want to get fired and this and that so they're like kind of maybe backtracking a little bit because they're they're worried about you know where that goes once the government stops being like we got you we'll help you yeah um, very screwed up so but there's some progress in that area um, as far as you know rewarding care providers um, for actually who is healthiest at the end of a hospital stay and doesn't come back so what you're saying I just want to repeat this yeah is that the value-based system that uh, the government is grant gives grants out right now right and incentivizing these hospitals and um, that if that dries up or if they stop doing that these hospitals are afraid that like going that route or using that type of a system means that they don't have as sick of people which means the fee for service isn't bringing in enough revenue exactly yeah and the programs and initiatives that cms which is you know center Mm -hmm. for medicaid medicare have been doing the last couple of years they do have a time limit Mm -hmm. and one of one that i worked on um it was called district it was renewed but the end of that is now here. So there's just a lot of uncertainty. And so if you're a hospital executive and really your bottom line and how much revenue you, you bring in mm-hmm. is really whether or not you're gonna stay in your job. Yeah. Um, you're pretty worried about, well, if the government goes away um, and now we've put in the system that helps people to, to actually better. <laughs> you know, get a little bit better from their chronic illness such that they're not coming back constantly, or that we give them more support in a way to try to heal outside of the hospital, um, what are we gonna do for revenue? We have to fill the hospital beds. Like, they have to be full. Yeah. So, it's very tricky. And it's, it's such a lacking ment- a mentality of lack, though, because, like, 
There's always, even healthy people get sick, right? But it's like, why not? Because I see it as we don't have enough room to help people who really need it, right? Like right now, if you go in the emergency room, I always hear about stories where there's just like lines of people just trying to get in, but, um, but it's hard because there's so many sick people and not enough room. Yeah, it's tricky because there's the whole, like, who's paying for it. Yeah. So that's the problem, too, is that if people are coming to the hospital who can't really pay, mm -hmm. um, and they're not, even when they send the bills and stuff, they're just going to, the no, they're not yeah. going to pay, um, the hospital doesn't really, want they that. have to treat them, but they don't really want that. So, um, Gosh, the whole so it's thing. like, they actually want just a specific, very sick, but with enough money patient. Yeah, the one that has enough money, but doesn't, you don't want them to know about the integrative stuff. You just want them to stay chronically ill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a system that, that, that developed with a lot of mistakes over the last like 60, 70 years. And so it's not like there's one villain who's like yeah. a puppet orchestrator that's like, the terrible person that's made this the way it is. It's yeah, like the whole, there was like a confluence of six, you know, events or policies. A lot of it was government driven, um, where they, they thought they were doing the right thing in the moment. And they had, it had completely unforeseen consequences that made this a complete mess. Mm -hmm. And if they could look back, they may have never done it, but yeah. it's too late. Yeah. They just kept creating things that, solve the problem but not the root cause they just kept making band-aids exactly. and then now they see themselves in a situation where they can't imagine any other way exactly and i think that also is part of the problem right now i mean definitely part of the problem right now but it's like in our system where we want health care for all it's um i love marianne williamson because she always says it's sick care like we have sick care we don't have any preventative care and so that our current healthcare system isn't helping very many people, even if they have access to it. Like, that's great, but they're being told to do things that isn't right for them. A hundred percent. I agree with her on yeah. that. A hundred percent. And it's very tricky for me because when I hear people say healthcare for all, that is my immediate uh, thought is yeah. you just want to give this, like, prescription, prescription, prescription to everybody. Yeah. Like, no, this is not actually, I mean, sure, life-saving emergency exactly. medicine, mm -hmm. we would like to make that accessible to for all people. But with 80% of all of our healthcare issues and costs in this country, I think it's actually maybe 85 at this point, being related to chronic conditions, the healthcare for all is gonna make it worse. Yeah. Because you just keep coming back and they keep steroids and antibiotics and just antidepressant and this, da, 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 da. so no one's gonna actually work on healing anything with you yeah. and with the rates of medical error that we have in this country and over treatment you're actually maybe making a problem worse so the healthcare for all thing is so tricky for me to talk about and I also I know often we need ask, more people like you though to, to talk about that because I don't think it's even in like people that want that which I think is great like you said it's great to have for emergency situations and stuff but not for chronic conditions and um, people that want that, I don't even think this idea is in their realm. Like they've never even thought about that. They haven't thought it through enough. No. And unfortunately I've been like living it for yeah. long enough and working in it that I'm like aware of the complexity of the situation. Um, and so anytime somebody says that to me, I'm like, would you want to have the worst service in a restaurant, for example, the worst place you've ever been, you know, imagine the place where everything's dirty. There's you know, yeah. you see the mouse running across the floor. They're rude to you. They're, you know, whatever it is. Um, 
Do you want that for everyone? Yeah. Or do you want a system where it's actually empowering to patients and people are in control of their own health? They finally become the CEO of their own bodies and therefore they they need less emergency medicine and they don't even need yeah. it because they're able to live on their own. Like mm -hmm. organic food for all, I'm for that. Yeah. I mean, that's the best medicine I can think of. But this kind of like access to a sick care system for everybody if you think through it a little bit, you'll see that it's not the answer. Mm -hmm. And you really wouldn't want it. No. Um, but it is very tricky because I see, it's a similar situation to what I was talking about before with these other things that were government funded where they were trying to solve one issue, but they, but this had unforeseen consequences mm -hmm. that they would, I think, deeply regret today. This is another example of that. It has such good intentions. Yeah. But the if you could fast forward and show the issues with it based on what we know about health and healing, you would actually exactly. see that. Actually, no, we need a different we It's a like our situation. involvement in the Middle East, basically. Like, exactly. we're funding. Help this one place, yeah. but, but then they come issues. Yeah, you help these this one group, and then we give them guns, and then we do this, but then they revolt, and now we're against them, and it's like. We're like, we armed Al Qaeda. Yeah, God, exactly. You know, whatever, you know, of course you didn't mean to do that, but you just can't possibly predict all these things. Yeah. Um, so they have to be really thoughtfully. Um, thought through. And the other thing I say, which I said to you, is the healthcare for all thing, we, we actually sort of already have in, in many ways a yeah, socialized exactly. healthcare system with mm -hmm. how much of the government actually funds, you know, our, our mm -hmm. whole healthcare expenditure. So something else, a lot of people are like, oh, really? Like, they're not really aware. Yeah. If they're not on Medicare or Medicaid, how much of the American um, taxpayer money mm -hmm. actually Close does to go, yeah. to, go to that. So a lot of complexity. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to you for a little bit because I know that, um, so you were explaining what a board certified patient advocate is. So with all that experience, you decided, like, is that what you're doing is helping somewhat and the system kind of change their ways? Is that what that is? Or? Um, so technically I'm licensed to basically navigate and advise and advocate for people in the healthcare system who are going through something, whether it's finding, you know, uh, trying to figure out a diagnosis, they don't even know what's wrong with them or have one and are trying to, you know, get the right kind of care to heal. Um, so you're someone that they would listen to when like normal, like me, my grandfather is, was in the hospital and he passed away, but I was kind of like the person that would go spend time with him during the day and try and bring him juice and stuff in the hospital. Nurses would get upset with me because they'd say his sodium, he was in, hospitalized for low sodium levels and then they kept um, giving him more and more, but then he ended up dying from a heart attack. But I kept telling them that the sodium was making them sick, him sick, but they weren't listening to me. And he had a prior heart issue and then gosh. he ended up dying from oh my that. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, he was old, but like, it was really tragic, but it's like, they weren't listening to me also because I was young. I was 22. I was 22 when that was going yeah. on. So in your scenario, it, they're like, they're listening to you at this point. Or? Right. So technically it's kind of like, I am licensed to be like a lawyer for somebody. I can um, go into the hospital room and speak on their behalf. I can, you know, kind of fight for them in different situations. I can, you know, demand second opinions and act, you know, I, it's, it's like That's that. amazing. So it is kind of a cool thing. That being said, I'm not using it to do that. To do that. Yeah. Um, I may in the future, but right now, because of Wellby, which I built, which originally started just as content, um, mm -hmm. I just knew that there was enough misinformation 
or there weren't enough people that were actually aware of the root cause of a lot of these issues, both the problems with that actual conventional healthcare system, but also a lot of this kind of like stigma and dogma and woo woo, whatever that the you know conceptions about mm -hmm. the, the wellness movement and also the, the alternative medicine stuff and just, you know, people are like vicious, like quacks and, you know, whatever. And I kind of wanted to show that one, there's a lot of research actually mm -hmm. in the wellness side of things. So when I hear that's not science or that's not, you know, there's no evidence to support, it drives me insane yeah. because that's like what I do constantly. Mm -hmm. And also to show that, okay, the answer to a lot of the chronic healthcare, the, well, the whole chronic healthcare, uh, excuse me, the answer to the chronic health crisis in America, because that's what the majority of people die mm -hmm. of, right, or, or are sick with all the time, is actually wellness. It's mm -hmm. actually just being empowered to see that the 100 choices that you're making every single day are actually your health care. Mm -hmm. And that's 80 to 90% of what happens to you is actually predicted by what you do every single day. Yeah. Um, and that's really it. And then your interactions with the healthcare system at that point should be few and far between mm -hmm. and of course emergency medicine aside like you better believe if I get hit by a car I am you're like, going to the hospital give me yeah. the full brunt yeah. of the conventional healthcare system yes. I'm lucky to have it but for you know the majority of things that's not the case um and when you do interact with the healthcare system it should be with partners people mm -hmm. that listen to you who really have a root cause like resolution in mind right meaning like no you're not just going to indefinitely have diabetes like we're going to heal you. Yeah. We're going to move on from this, you know, or depression or whatever it might be, um, which is really not how it's often approached that, yeah. now. So that's really my whole message with well-being, a lot of the content that I've built. And, um, I love that. Is that. Yeah, I mean, it's really in your hands, but then when you do have to get someone else involved, they really have to be, um, you know, looking at you as a whole body with, you know, interconnected systems and an intention to help you heal, not mm -hmm. just like here, take some of this for a while and, and get out of my office, yeah. you know? So that's that's what I've been working on. And then you have something coming out, right? Of yes. Spark, so is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called the Wellbe Spark Health Program, which I, um, by the time this airs, you know, it hopefully will be a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been something I've been working on for all of 2019. And essentially it came out of you know, uh, you know, with media, there's a lot of different ways to monetize it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had important things to say as far as that people just needed to have the awareness first, because, you know, just another app is not really going to change yeah. the mindset of a lot of people mm -hmm. to think differently, or maybe that's never occurred to them before or something like that. So I knew I wanted to start with content, but when it got to monetizing it, I realized that there were so many people asking me for help with writing into our website, especially on the patient advocacy stuff and mm -hmm. recommendations for good functional medicine doctors or also just making all these lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. And I was so busy making all the content that I couldn't really help them. Yeah. And I started to realize, well, this is stupid. Like my whole point is to help with this content is to get people to a point where they're actually ready to take action mm -hmm. and then I'm leaving them hanging mm -hmm. without support. And so I decided to kind of change that up and built this program which it's sort of a play on the Marie Kondo spark joy idea. Oh, cool. And it's just, you know, it's an eight week program that will um, kick off in January, 2020 and take people through, I call it the most actionable um, health and wellness course ever created. Who knows if that's true, but I just got frustrated by the idea that there's so much content and there's so many things you could or should be doing for wellness. Oh yeah. And yet, 
it's paralyzing. And but research does show there's certain evidence-based lifestyle practices that help that help a yeah. lot for mm -hmm. chronic disease prevention. Mm -hmm. And if you're dealing with something to help, you know, kick it in the butt. So I wanted to just put those things into a program through these like eight modules so that people could just take action on that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then if they wanted to do anything else with their saunas life, yeah. or whatever, fine, but just do this stuff first and let's take the action in, you know, this, it's a one hour a week webinar. So mm -hmm. it's like, that's it. There's no more like endless homework or worksheets, mm -hmm. or whatever. It's just, we're just taking the action and setting up a life and a home that actually, you know, sparks health and getting wow. rid of all the stuff that encourages disease, which we have so much information on what so does. Much. We just have to actually put it into practice. And yeah. there's a lot of brands out there to want to make it very hard for you to figure out what's, yeah. you know, causing disease and stuff. So this that's going to be huge. I'm so excited. I, I yeah. think that's so great. And I understand that too. With content, it's so hard because you want to stay, you like content is so important and that's with us too we just want to stay authentic and loyal to what we're the message that we're providing and we don't want to partner with just anyone which also complicates things because then you know you need to keep it going so you have to look for different avenues to monetize and to keep you staying authentic so for us it's like products and we launched a product called the saffron latte which i'll have to talk to you about because there's so much research even on pubmed about saffron as an antidepressant Oh and gosh, so yeah. like 30 milligrams a day of saffron equivalent to people having taken Prozac, but it kicks in instantly instead of taking six weeks to kick in. And our oh, saffron, yes, please send me all of this. this yeah, fascinating. you would love it. It's like 150 milligrams in one serving that we have. So five times the medicinal dose, but it's an adaptogen. So it's yeah. like an instant mood lifter, but we went the product route. So I totally get your route for this and that I just love it because it just makes so much sense and I want to send I want to go through and I want to send everyone to it because our whole philosophy is like there is too much information out there and um and it's so important to be well but also it's so important to take back your power and do the things that for like for someone who is chronically ill or is going through something like do these certain things but don't get stressed out about it either and yeah. like you said too much homework and this and oh i need to gosh. go to the sauna and i need to do this it's like let's do the core things that we know feel good for us and then like let's just also live our lives right and i mean i think part of my inspiration for this came from well listening to a lot of my OLB like fans and what they were overwhelmed with but also my own like if everything I wanted to do in the morning, I actually did for yeah. my, you know, rituals and this, I wouldn't leave the ha yeah. three hour, you know, and I kind of was like, okay, enough. Like, totally. this is getting out of hand. There's just so many things you can add on. Mm -hmm. Like, what is actually research supported? And, and so can I just at least do those well? Yeah. And then I can, you know, the rest of the stuff, when I, maybe I, I feel like I can add something else on and I'm mm -hmm. really comfortable with this, then, then I will. But other than that... You I've know, got myself. I've got, I've got the foundation of a life mm -hmm. that you know sparks health. Is what I was saying. Um, so, exciting. but a, a component of it, which brings back the patient advocacy thing, is also during the eight weeks having this little team that I put together of um, sort of a health researcher, um, health coach, and patient advocate, which will be me in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, to actually any kind of thing that you have problems with, because everything is so customized in, and we're all very individual, mm -hmm. like you're as, yeah. even with your lifestyle Maybe. stuff and your health stuff, uh, as far as healthcare issues and things you might be dealing with and where you are, right? Sometimes people are in 
LA and have access to tons of functional medicine type um, practitioners and doctors and other times people really want them and they're in Duluth, you know, North Dakota. Yeah. And it's very hard and what can they, how can they figure out how to get this kind of care while mm -hmm. still being somewhere that um, isn't, you know, quite full of you know, a ton of them. So we'll be able to kind of be a wellness and health concierge for That's the eight great. weeks to just help you get through all these little things and, you know, deliver research on maybe something that you're going through and you're like, I am a busy new mom. Mm -hmm. I have no time to figure this out, but I've been having this weird rash or, you know, I'm, I've just gotten a Hashimoto's diagnosis. Can you give me all the research that you mm -hmm. need on, you know, this particular topic and break it down for me so that I can just like get the cliff notes and then do something about it. Um, so something like that too, I need a gut specialist in North Dakota, you know, that or, yeah. you know, all of these things. Cause a health journey is very complicated, yeah. um, whether you're in great health or not. And so you need a lot of different things at different times and people seem to have a ton of questions. And mm -hmm. so I didn't feel like there was this support system yeah. in that way. And doctors really, the way that the system is set up, they don't have time to be answering a million questions no. that a patient might have. They really have to just stick to the high level stuff. and. Um, having another resource that can kind of navigate you to the right people or just like here are the three things you might try like yeah. here's what we've seen okay alternative solutions to depression like yeah. here's the research on saffron mm -hmm. here's the research on healthy fats here's the research on you know why don't you just try like these three things for a little bit and see if it doesn't make a difference and you know we'll we'll go from there and, yeah and i love the idea that you have already found research and PubMed about it because i think proof is the best thing that we have um, mm -hmm. and there's not always it's not always easy to find no but it's so much better when than just there, trusting like, that somebody knows what they're talking yeah. about it's like you can take my word for it or you can take this you yeah know? And, and I think that's great yeah oh my gosh I'm so excited for what you guys are launching and thank you and I just really appreciate you coming here and sharing your story and I can't wait to see what you do thank you thank you so much for having me it's been such a fun conversation I feel like I could I know I'm with it for a while. We'll have to have you on some of our upcoming panels for our conferences. Oh, that would be awesome. I would love to. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or review, and share with your friends. I'm always reading our comments and love hearing from you, so keep in touch, and I'll see you next time.